Ashamai, Achoi Soiskos, Podlediad Consortium Knobach the Day. And a Podlediad Hun, but looking clowered, a troubled day fed do with Ara and Bob Math or Bethe Arisk. Hello and welcome to SCOS, the Central South Consortium podcast. In this podcast, we'll bring you the very latest discussions on all things education. pleased to be able to welcome our innovation schools. Uh, we've got four representatives here from the four innovation schools that uh, that are within the Central South Consortium region. So here I'm going to go in order of, of my team screen. So we've got Laura Taylor, head teacher of St Joseph's Roman Catholic Primary School in Penarth. We've got Diane Stone, who's head teacher of Teguin Special School. We've got Yvonne Roberts-Ablett from uh, Assistant Head Teacher in Fitzalan High School. And we've got Beverly Timothy Weber, who's Assistant Head Teacher in Bishop Headley High School. So welcome. We're really keen to have a conversation uh, about your work as innovation schools. Uh, lots of schools are aware that there are national innovation schools, four innovation schools per region. And you've, of course, been working behind the scenes on trialling the, the framework and uh, pr primarily looking across AOLE. So whereas the pioneer schools may have been representing one particular AOLE and helping to co-construct um, that framework and the guidance, um, I understand that you've been tasked with, with looking at the professional learning that, that encompasses all of that and, and then considering how you might start to look at trialling, not just within one particular AOLE, but, uh, but across the curriculum. And, and that's, that's really pertinent for us right now. I don't think the system was ready maybe to hear what, what you had to say um, a year or 18 months ago. But I think now, from January 2020, it was ground zero, we all had the publication of Crooklyn Foyle's framework and guidance. And so it, it was about starting afresh, even pioneer schools and perhaps you yourselves. Once that final published framework um, was, was out there, then that meant that we needed to all start afresh and to consider what's there. I think previously we'd all had iterations, we'd, we'd received drafts, um, but it, it was important for the whole system to say, here's the framework and this is what we're now working to. So what we'd like to do since January 2020, when the final framework and guidance was published, we've, of course, um, hit a pandemic. And but we are still on track for Crooken for Wales being enacted in 2022. So that poses very many challenges. It does pose some opportunities as well. So we'd like to just explore those challenges that you faced as innovation schools and the opportunities, looking through the lens of COVID, but, but considering that sort of innovation schools a year on, you this year, you haven't been doing national work, but that's even more interesting in many ways to us. How have you now been able to continue innovating despite not receiving additional funding, just being um, in the same position as everybody else. So if we can start looking back at your time as an innovation school, what were you required to do above and beyond what other schools may have been doing at that time? Yvonne, what, what can you tell us about your work in Fitzalan? So um, I suppose when we apply to be an innovation school, we were asked to kind of do something a bit more practical than just reading the guidance. And um, and because we'd been involved in the process, we were aware a bit more of the direction of travel as to where it was going. So when we received the guidance that was put into the public domain, we were able to make sense of it probably a little, little quicker. Um, and as a result, what we managed to do was take the application 
of innovating with three identified areas of learning a little bit further because we found quite quickly that one of the things that was difficult to do to manage it certainly in a big school is to have some areas of learning making more developments quicker than others so what we actually found was that it was much easier for us to consider the whole curriculum to consider the wider overarching aspects of the curriculum and then apply those into areas of learning so we found quite quickly that jumping to the detail missed an awful lot of the steps that we we actually needed so it allowed us to kind of go go back so one of the things that we initially did was to go back to successful futures and have been part of the process we realized that it was becoming a blueprint for what was actually going to happen. So the way in which the curriculum was designed in the sense that we looked at the scope and boundaries of the overarching curriculum and then the areas of learning, then we discussed the what matters statements, was almost a blueprint for how you would then enact that as a school. So you needed to consider what your immediate vision would be, what you wanted as an overarching vision. However, we also found that it's quite difficult to come up with a vision and a blank piece of paper without actually having something practical to work it on. So when we started unpicking other areas of the curriculum, whether that be professional learning, the cross-curricular themes, we started to innovate in lots of little areas because then it was enabling us to see the whole. Um, and those things then were happening across all of the schools. So it didn't become one thing that was controlled. It wasn't something that we did as an event every so often in terms of calendared events. It was those aspects that were coming into our everyday systems and processes. And that meant that actually now we're in a position where we've done so much thinking, that depth of thinking is embedding the things that we're now ready to go on in, into the detail. And for us, it's almost as if you kind of get to that sweet spot where you've done enough work around the four purposes, you have people who understand what curriculum change is about. You have people that are beginning to identify what curriculum design is about and why that's different to the way in which we've actually been trained thus far. But we've improved teaching and learning. We've improved the concept of assessment for learning with responsive teaching. So all of those things are underpinning all of the parts of the school. So curriculum reform then becomes something that's quite tangible and something that you can do. And after exploring in those areas, it then helps you to create that vision because you've got something tangible that you know is part of that vision. So we're now at that point, really, where um, teams of people are working together because they feel as if they've got enough, they want to have a go. They're desperate to kind of put something in place that is more reflective of learning with children as opposed to being theoretical. So we're now in the process of looking and trialing various aspects across areas of learning, how we sequence learning across the school, how we have areas of learning working within each other, across each other, all of the different aspects. And that is then helping to reshape our vision. So we are finding that that's very much an iterative process. The more you find out, the more you want to shape where you're going. Um, and that's, I think, has been the ability for us as an innovation school just to kind of the innovation bit comes from having that green light to put into practice what it is that you've been developing for the last couple of years. Mm. Laura, I'm just bring you in at that point. Yes, I think the, um, you know, being able to launch our curriculum from the blueprints of successful futures um, was a really uh, excellent way for us to start innovating and start thinking about how we can use um, pedagogical principles, for example, um, in, in a variety of ways to get the best to meet the needs of the children. But one of the um, really exciting things initially about being um, an innovation school was that we were able to consider the documentation and the curriculum framework as it emerged 
Um, so, for example, we were able to review the assessment guidance as it developed, uh, and we were able to make suggestions um, before um, uh, any drafts or publications um, were um, created on a school level. So we were able to think about the vision of assessment and how the proposals and the changes needed to be clearly articulated so that there was um, an understanding of the mind shift that needed to happen um, in schools in order to implement that vision and the need, the need for clear guidance on the principles and aims um, of school level development so that schools could ensure um, that assessment uh, was for formative purposes uh, and given priority priority over um, a summative assessment. So uh, in this example, we were able to consider potential challenges for schools as they um, enter 2020, you know, workload for teachers, uh, the danger that um, assessments would uh, lead curriculum planning. So that was a really part, important part of the process for us to understand the wider um, elements of that curriculum change as well. Thank you both. I think what's What's really interesting is that you both talked so much there about vision, and I'll, I'll come to Diane and, and to Bev in a second. Um, but also, yeah, the, the, lots of the, the considerations that you were tasked with um, nationally as innovation schools was looking at the implications when you're enacting curriculum for Wales and the wider reforms. So you even had to consider the sort of funding implications and how to create time and space for these reforms to, to be developed and enacted. Um, but what's really clear is that that actually everything comes to that vision. And because we're in this phase, you know, most of our schools now are aware of the journey to 2022 document and the phases that have been um, given to us there to align to so that the whole system is moving um, at the same or similar pace, even though schools will enter and, and, and progress at a varying points and, and speed through those, those phases. And of course, the work that you all did as innovation schools and the reports that you generated they also became the blueprint for the journey to 2022 document and that's why the first phase that we're still in now of engagement is all about getting to know the framework Von, you said about getting to know those four purposes the terminology the structure what curriculum for wealth is what it isn't and then determining this this shared vision and when considering vision, that meant for you, you were considering the four purposes, the national vision that's now been articulated for us in terms of the purposes. But of course, you had to consider teaching and learning, pedagogy, AOLEs. So everything comes into vision. But I think sometimes it can be seen as this, oh, it's a one and done. There's our mission statement. We've got it. Whereas to truly do vision, you will never stop considering vision and working on vision um, collaboratively. I'm just wondering, so we've got, you know, a large secondary school there, we've got a, a primary school, just wondering from Bev at Bishop Headley, and then from Diane, who's got a very different context, being a special school, if if your experiences of, of that um, were similar, if vision was, was the route through which you went, um, just again, just a, a summary of, of what it meant for you then to be the innovation school. Diane, what, what would you say from your um, setting? Well, um, our setting is uh, 3 to 19 for pupils with profound learning needs. So 90% are on routes for learning. So um, it was very much we needed to, to gear that. It's very pupil-centred school. 
Um, and at that time, when we became a, an innovation school, there were lots of other things that we were involved with. You know, there was the digital pioneer, professional learning pioneer. There was um, we went in, went on to inquiry school. So we were involved in those sort of things, which I think they were really useful when we became the innovation school. Um, I think all those things really sort of set us up because we were involved with mainstream schools and we were looking at things like thinking skills and we're involved with regional things. We're looking at toolkits for assessment for learning. So all those things um, were going on at the same time. So that really set us up with you know pedagogy. Um, we looked at pedagogy. We had governors coming in and we were asking them to ask our staff, why is it, what What are you doing? Why Why are you doing that? And they were looking at authentic learning, particularly, um, well, for all our pupils, but when we talk about children with challenging behaviour that maybe can sit for a minute in a class, but they really need authentic learning experiences. They need to be um, having practical and experiential. It was um, it was perfect for us um, and it was very, um, very flexible. So I think, um, the question of where we were and why become a, an innovation school and what we were doing above. I think we worked um, looking at um, what matters um, and we really looked at what matters and uh, the four core principles and we were looking at how is that relevant to our, our children. So we worked with some other special schools and we were looking at sort of activities they did and sort of principles behind it to make it to make sure it was relevant for our pupils. So um, so that was our starting point. Well, thanks, Diane. That's fab. And that, you know, it is important to consider that, yeah, you're a, a through school and that's the aspiration for us all to really join at the phases. But with the, the profound difficulties of, of your learners, it's, um, you know, Curriculum for Wales is to be inclusive. It should be accessible. Um, but it's actually working out at what point they, they come into the framework and, and do they see themselves represented there? there there's no question for any of us who were mainstream specialists that it was the working with special schools that absolutely inspired I think every group um, within the pioneer process and within innovation schools to really consider those authentic contexts what the four purposes really mean that we're teachers of, of children and young people not just of subjects not you know um, so I, there's no question Diane you know hearing um, some of your innovations and that of other special schools massively inspired me to want to do better for those learners in mainstream school who are also challenged and are being challenging and you know when you really reflect on why that is sometimes you know we've we, we perhaps overly focus on teaching rather than learning and we've got to think a little bit more carefully about how our young people learn and some of the more individualized approaches that we might need to take with with them um bev let's let's bring you in tell us a little bit about your journey at bishop headley high school when you think of developing the curriculum, it becomes, in in some ways, very daunting. And it's that idea of how do you manage change for staff? I think that's where, where we started from. And vision is definitely uh, part of it. It's that idea that you can get that buy-in from staff. And going back to the moral purposes of, of why we were teachers in the first place. And it's that idea that all our pupils are entitled to knowledge. And I think that's really, really, really powerful. But it's also accepting that students will have gaps in that knowledge. They've got a knowledge deficit. Unless we do something about that, their progression can't possibly improve. 
So we as, as teachers have to think of, of how we diagnose those problems within um, the teaching of the subject that will, will then progress to the learning of the pupil. And that can be quite difficult for staff. But when you start taking it down to that all areas of learning and experience have an impact on that holistic education of the pupils, you start then coming back down to this is why we're doing this. And then we sort of broke it down into uh, three key areas. We were thinking about curriculum, we were thinking about pedagogy, and we were thinking about assessment. But assessment as being the servant of the curriculum, and then that pedagogy is how we make sure that um, curriculum is delivered in the most effective way possible. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a three pronged approach. And when you're looking at curriculum design, it very much has to keep those three aspects in order to be able to make that progression in the learning of pupils. And I think using that sort of um, three pronged approach has really helped our staff think about it. So you are thinking about what it is you're teaching. Why is that relevant to my pupils in my area? How will that link to the local, to the, to the wider community, to international uh, perspectives? How will that link to my pupils' Carnevin? We can, we we've got a large amount of um, uh, EAL pupils. So we have to think how that will link together. And I think that is what um, the innovation schools gave us, was that space to think about what is relevant for our pupils and how best to, to enact the curriculum for them. That's fantastic. Thanks, Bev. I think it is about creating the time and space and perhaps you had that opportunity within the structure of innovation schools, having that level of sort of coaching of a network nationally that you could share and you were able to do that in advance of others. But we are all now in that position of needing to make these considerations. It's interesting, by, by separating them out, perhaps you ensured there was depth. You were really making sure you were talking about what they're learning, because as you said, knowledge matters. It still does matter. And, you know, this is about having a balance of knowledge and skills and experiences well sequenced from a 3 to 16 continuum and, of course, beyond. But also to make sure that we are talking and, and it's the bit that we all get excited about because we've all come from being passionate practitioners is pedagogy how we're teaching how do people learn how do young people learn how do children learn and we're thinking about child development there might be cognitive science that influences that but actually having those explicit conversations about that is something in schools particularly large schools we're often so focused on structures and departments and the operational transactional conversations that we forget to talk about learning design and pedagogy um, Laura just bring you in on that I think that importance of creating a shared vision has been one of the most successful things um, that we found um, over the last sort of two years, really, um, at St. Joseph's. The, the often, um, probably in most schools, the vision would come from the head teacher or the senior leadership team and would be, um, you know, enacted in, in, a, in a way, you know, in, in terms of the delivery of it. But we've really worked hard and concentrated on thinking about how all the stakeholders could be involved in that shared vision. So from from um, from parents to pupils thinking about um, what children at St. Joseph's particularly, what, what we want them to know, uh, be able to do um, and to be like, um, has really helped to um, shape our vision and to shape our curriculum design as we 
moved forward. Um, but also um, sharing once we had that sort of overall ownership of, of, of a vision um, you know, and that we wanted um, a knowledge-rich curriculum which built on skills and broadened the experiences and horizons for pupils, we were able to then um, empower leaders of areas of learning to think about specific visions for their um, areas of learning experience. And um, the consortia, the CSC um, professional learning and playlists for uh, the leaders for um, areas of learning experience um, and thinking about their vision were really um, effective ways of helping um, areas to think about it under the whole vision, but then thinking within it, within areas of learning. And then the um, children and the, and the sort of school parliament groups within the, um, and the government groups that we have within our school parliament were then also able to consider that vision. And it's been iterative because we're now at a, at a, at a point where some of the children that originally came up with some of the things that they'd like to know, do and be like um, have moved on. And we need to think about that again and reshare that vision. Um, and, uh, and that's what's so exciting about the curriculum, really, that that, that joint ownership of it um, before you then get into the nitty gritty of um, how we're going to deliver it and, and, and um, assessing the impact of that lived experience for the pupils as well. Oh, thanks, Laura. That's really interesting. And the vision has to come first, doesn't it, in that process, because you, you've you've got to have those aspirations that, that, of course, align to our national aspirations of, of you know, pursuing those four purposes, but that are relevant to the lived experiences of your pupils, your communities. Um, and then from there, you start to build that curriculum, don't you, in terms of sequencing what, when, how, in what order. But and of course, that process then may take you back to your vision to reconsider. Yeah, I think for us, you know, hearing Laura speak there, one of the things that, that has struck me most is that we need to be on the same page in terms of language. And I know that we've done an awful lot of work around ensuring that we understand the terminology that's being used. And, and you mentioned there in terms of, you know, the definition of curriculum being everything a learning experience is in pursuit of the four purposes. And that's one of the things that we found most in need of challenge is curriculum is not your options decisions at key stage four and it is no longer the things that you put on a scheme of work or on a program of study and once you've overcome those barriers it really then opens people's minds to think about being ambitious for their learners and what that vision is so one of the things that we have found in terms of vision is that a blank paper is really difficult. And, you know, and as, as Bev said, that change management in terms of people, you need people who have the language, the ability to articulate what their vision for learning is, what their educational philosophy is. And we can bandy about these terms and, you know, be quite broad with them. But you also need something practical to guide people that perhaps haven't had those experiences. So we've kind of done lots of activities that um, enable people to have and articulate what, what they want in that vision. And one of the things that's influenced us recently is the, the Nile podcast that was done with McWaters recently. He talked about three aspects in terms of kind of being really quite creative with your vision. Um, and he talked about the quality of the environment in which you, you have. And thinking about provisions, I think, especially in a secondary school, this is what this curriculum is asking you to do. The concept of a timetable, the concept of lessons and structures and how many lessons are actually given over to particular subjects. They're all questions that now need discussing. And that can be quite scary when 
you know, you 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 know what your timetable looks like and it and it's you it's worked and it's produced outcomes. That's quite difficult that we found, especially for secondary schools to be able to do. So thinking about it in a different way in terms of environment and not just about how you use your physical environment, but also the sort of social and emotional aspects of your environment is what he talks about. And of course, there's so much rooted in, especially in the last 12 months around health and well-being in terms of ensuring those social and emotional aspects of learning are dealt with well. That that then gives you a new vision. It's almost as if we've kind of seen in the last 12 months. That's what we mean by the four purposes. That's what we mean by a purpose led curriculum, because we've had to strip it back and think very much about what do they need? And we've had the ability with the national curriculum to be suspended to actually consider what they need without that hang up of a second system and working on two systems. So it's given us that opportunity. But he also talks about then the experiences that are on offer. And those experiences, I think, come down to what Bev said. It's not just about the learning experience for children, but the experiences you offer staff. So that's why, really, your curriculum and professional learning are coming hand in hand. And as you said, you know, in, in, in Welsh, when we talk about dusky, it's almost as if they've, they've kind of created or got rid of the problem because teaching and learning means the same thing. Whereas in English, we keep seeing them as separate and, and that kind of creates people's ideas about language. So those things are important to really embed. But then he also talks about the quality of the people that work with our children. And for me, that was quite interesting because you, you're in a position where staff do change and you have different personnel and you create different roles. So we've also been very mindful to make sure that the vision of what we're trying to create around Curriculum for Wales and the national mission, we bring everybody on board with us as they join the school. So that is our normal systems and processes. And you are joining into that system. The vision of what it is that we want is what attracts you to us as an organisation. And it's how you bring all of those things together so that you live and breathe what is what you are articulated in your in your vision what I was thinking Diane but the way that you look at bringing curriculum to life isn't based around a set timetable and they say you know music will have one hour a week and geography will have one hour a week but you literally innovate all day long and tailor curriculum everything those those learners experience um so tell us a little bit about how that feels for you at Tigwin. Yeah, and I I agree, and I agree with a lot of what Yvonne just said, that um, the language for the new curriculum was sort of key to starting. Everybody needed to understand the language, and we were privileged that we were part of all these other groups, and we met other schools, so we had that sort of background. But I think from our point of view, um, given that sort of where our pupils are learning, experiential and skill-led, um, it was building on what we felt was quite a, a solid base. Um, but we did start, we started looking at, um, as I said, the language, so it was a common understanding. Um, and that was for purposes was the thing that brought us together, first of all. And we did that as a whole school. So we looked at those purposes and said, are they meaningful for us? What would you say is, you know, uh, sort of core and what, what matters in all these, play, these statements for us? And that took us, um, we'd, we'd from the start put that into twilights. We have twilights every week and we put that into twilights. So we spent about half a term going, going through that and um, classes were getting together. Um, they were writing up things. We were coming back. We were putting them on the, the whiteboard. We're 27 classes here. So we a big, you know, we are a big staff body. They were coming back. And that did take us weeks looking at that. So we all agreed. And then they were looking at where are we now? What sort of experiences 
So we have, so we had um, our pupils um, all have assessment via video evidence. So um, we were looking at evidence so we could immediately get together sort of a big collage of the activities that we felt were good and authentic activities and experiential and, um, for our pupils. So um, we went from there, um, we looked at pedagogy, we'd looked at all the terminology and as you've said, so, I mean, pedagogy is, looking at how the children engage, isn't it? And particularly when you're talking at children in early months of development, you really are looking at how they engage, how they're sort of telling us that they're enjoying it or they're not enjoying it and looking at the targets you've got. So um, so we were looking at, um, but we looked at the, all the areas of pedagogy. Um, we went through an exercise of when you're planning, you know, tell us which bits you feel that, you, you know, you feel that you're displaying in your classrooms and you're showing. So. Um, we went through that and the governors came in to have that shared experience. We did some presentations for parents as well to tell them what the new curriculum was about. At the same time, of course, we've got ALN reform and that is all very, very, you know, at the same time that is going on and we're making sure our IDPs are, and all that are, um, and behaviour, you know, with the new um, sort of behaviour things that we're making sure it's all pupil centred. Um, but then we came to vision and our vision, we, we looked at our vision at, at the time and it is very built on individual needs, um, looking how pupils engage, just looking at respect. Um, and we looked at that and we said, right, are the, are the four purposes really clearly shown in our vision? And that amazed me how long that took us as a school. That took us a, a long time. But at the same time, of course, there was the inquiry led things that we were doing. So. Um, um, we had we changed all our planning with the rights of the child as well and we had different people so our um, AOLEs then our TLR we had as AOLE leads but within that we were looking at everything that came within those disciplines so that the curriculum coordinator still had all their little disciplines and uh, little discipline, their disciplines underneath so that they came together as a whole so to make sure all those things connected but also it's very much, you know, um, working across, isn't it? All the all the areas of learning they link so easily that you can easily cover all those. So, um, and we we looked at that, and then when we did curriculum coordinator reports, we had the AOLE TLR holders were gathering up all the disciplines then from the individual to have a look then to see where professional learning needed. So, um, we were trying to bring it together, you know, as a whole. So. Um, there were whole school initiatives going on, as I said, but lots of individual groups um, developing. Diolch Bawb. Huge thanks to the four representatives from our innovation schools for contributing to what has been a really engaging and interesting discussion about all things innovation schools, all things curriculum development and, and particularly vision. And thanks to you, our schools, for listening to this podcast. We're hoping you can join us for part two when we pick up to have a discussion with our innovation schools about the next steps and drilling down into what that curriculum design might look like. Hope you can join us. Diolch am rando ar y bennod hon o sgwrs. Cofiwch yn dilyn ar Twitter a Facebook, tan ysgrifio i'n sianel YouTube, a mino yn cymunedau ar ein gwefan a darllen ein bulletin ysgolion athnosol am y newyddion diweddaraf. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sgwrs. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, join our online communities via our website and read our weekly school bulletin for the latest news. Hwyl am y tro. Bye for now.